From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victors podcast. In this episode, we're catching up with Trey Burke. If you know your Michigan Wolverines basketball, you know who Trey Burke is. In the 2012-2013 season, he earned National Player of the Year and led the 2012-2013 Wolverines to the championship game of the NCAA Men's Division I Basketball Tournament. Shortly after the tournament, he declared his eligibility for the NBA draft, and most recently was playing for the NBA's Dallas Mavericks. Our own Steve Fries got to sit down with Trey Burke over Zoom and talk about his journey, his recent time in the NBA, what's ahead of him for the latest round of free agency, and a look back to his days in Ann Arbor. I'm Steve Fries. Trey Burke, welcome to the show. Um, we're excited to talk to you right now as we speak. We're a few days away from the free agency. Um, what do you think yeah. is going to happen? I've been in a lot of talks with my agent. I do want to return to Dallas you know, you and be a Maverick. That's just me personally saying that. Uh, I think it fits my game, their system. Coach Carlisle and the, and, and the coaching staff you know, know what I can do. I think they believe in my value you know, on both ends of the court. And I think we have a, a championship contending, you know, type team. I'm excited to t- return there uh, if we can get something done. It, it's a business and, you know, you know, that's just how it goes. For me personally, I do want to return. So I'm curious to know, I see sometimes in the media, you're referred to as a, a journeyman because you've been on a number of different teams. Like, what is it like to move from team to team? There are very few players these days that stay at their team forever but you know you would look at it as a journeyman I still look at myself as as young I'll be 28 tomorrow I believe that I could still find a team where can play here for the rest of his career I still look at my career as that so that I still believe that I can be an all-star um, I still have high goals and hopes for myself and and believe that I can add to a championship team you know uh, I saw an interview with you when you were at the minor league team for the Knicks in Westchester. And you said that you felt that you were humbled and that you were ready to sort of rebuild your career. What, what humbled you? What happened in the first years of your career that you feel it's your responsibility? I mean, I see that you got injured a few times, right? Yeah. Well, my rookie season had a few big games and fourth game of preseason. I broke my finger. Mm-hmm. And I missed 12 games of the regular season. And I came back and we was 0-12. And, um, you know, just I believe that being 19 years old and not really all the way understanding all of the demands or, uh, of being a professional, it was just, you know, that's just your journey. You were bound to go through some trials and tribulations. And I believe that's just a part of my narrative. That's it is really hard for even some of the best college players to go into the into the pros. And I wonder if you watch uh, younger college players who are so eager to get out and move on to the next thing, and you wish you could sort of grab them and tell them what, what they're missing by not staying in college for a little while longer. You know, just you had that structure, you had that system there for you to, you know, prepare you for what's to come, you know, the professional. I remember me being 18 trying to go to the league after freshman year um, right, right, in right. Michigan. 
Coach Beeline, my dad, and, you know, my mom, you know, just my support system. They, you know, they did a great job of just helping me understand, you know, what was that, what was that state. It is very important to really, you know, see your situation, whoever it is, as far as like an athlete and it's a life changing decision. For me, I, I feel like a lot of those, a lot of those first couple of years were some years where I could have still have done some more maturing in college to get prepared for the, you know, you know, for that level. So when you leave uh, the University of Michigan and go to professional, um, I've always wondered this, how much contact do you maintain with John Beeline, for example? I mean, he would have been a significant mentor when you were in college. I don't imagine you just stop relying on that when you leave. No. We talked a lot. I think being in Utah and it being a different environment, different culture, different type of city, being away from home, it still was, you know, me having to face reality. And it was still, you know, great for, for, for me to, you know, stay in contact with him, you know, just like I do today. I, I talked to him a lot throughout that bubble experience. We stay in contact a lot. Now, I've always wondered this about you and other uh, players like you. What's it like to become a Michigan star when you grow up in Columbus and presumably you grew up hating that team up north right I mean what's that like well it's it's funny because I always tell this story I, I'll probably say this a lot but um the growing up I remember living in Atlanta Georgia my eighth grade my eighth grade year, I moved to Atlanta Georgia for one year and, uh, Ohio State was number one Michigan was number two or it might have been other way around if Ohio State would have lost I would have cried basically. I just remember, I just remember that memory. I always go back to that. Just how indebted it was in me, because I was that big of a football fan growing up. And I always admit that. But when Michigan came in the picture, Ohio State, you know, you know, they recruited me, you know, but they never offered a scholarship. We all know that story. Um it it flipped. I mean, I root for Michigan, and everything, man. <laughs> I wish them the best in every sport. So that's just how it, that's just how life turned out sometimes. Um, was it a mistake looking back for John Beeline to leave Michigan for the NBA? Have you ever talked about it with him? No, I never. I never had that conversation with him. Um, but I think for for any coach that's going to a team that's rebuilding, it always goes one way or the other. You either do really great or you don't. And um, I think it's just an experience and a, and a learning experience for for coach. And uh, I, me knowing his, his character, me knowing how he is, I know he will, you know, continue to fight for for what he wants. And it's and if that's going back to college and being the head being a head coach, then you know I'm sure he can do that. But I'm sure he can be a successful NBA coach as well. If that's what he wants, and you know I'm rooting for him. Is there a difference between how you coach in college and how you coach in the NBA? Is it a different type of mentoring or instructing? Yes. Yeah. You know, you always hear, you know, it's grown. These are grown men. And um, just the way you talk to players, just the way, you know, things are ran. It's it, it, it is a little different. But as far as coaching and like mentorship and um, relationship with player coach, you know, that's very important um, on a pro level. And uh, that's not easy to do. So you were cut by the 76ers in February. You were picked up by Dallas for the season when it resumed after the COVID break. Um, 
And your first game back in the bubble, as we call it, um, you had a 31-point game. What was that like? I mean, what what changed? What happened in, in the however many months there were? I mean, nothing, nothing changed. You know, the, for the people that know me, they know how serious I, you know, take my craft. Uh, I just continue to work and, and, and an opportunity presented itself right away. And I, and I try to take full advantage of it. Um, I think it was just, um, you know, me being me. And if you, you know, look throughout the league, I think the biggest thing for a lot of players is opportunity. And a lot of the players that play now know if you find the right fit for yourself in the in league, then that's, you know, they always say, all you need is one to like you out of the 30 teams. You know, that's all that matters. So I, the Bleacher Report referred to you as one of the eight best bargain bin free agents, which sounds like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> um, they also suggested that you might end up back with the 76ers who need your production. Um, do you want to go back there? Um, I mean, first, you know, how does it feel to be talked about like that? Like it's sort of a commodity. You know, I, I don't get caught up in that, but... uh I'm not opposed to, you know, going back there. But um, like I said, I really like where I'm at right now, the situation that I'm in in Dallas, and uh, we'll see what happens. You had uh, you had COVID. How sick were yes. you? Well, uh, when I got the call from Dallas, um, I was in back back at home in, in Columbus, Ohio, and then that morning I was feeling a little sick. And I was in a hotel, you know, and I was – on my way to the airport to leave and go to Dallas. I want to say a month before the bubble. And uh, when I land, I get off the plane and I started feeling a little sick. And I'm on my way to the hotel. Didn't think too much of it. I get cold chills. Then I get real hot. Start like breaking out in the full sweat. So then that's when I start thinking, oh, okay, now I feel like I'm getting a fever or something. And I go in there, I go back to my room, I go straight to my room, take a hot shower, and I go to bed like around 8.30. I got to bed super early that, that night. I, I woke up and um, didn't feel too bad, but I had a test that day. I had a COVID test that day. Thing led to another, he called me back, said I had it. Um, emotionally, I was okay, but I still was a little disappointed because I know that this was my opportunity to, you know, get back with Dallas and get back on the team. Uh, obviously, I wasn't on the team at the time, and it was a lot of uncertainty. So, um, yeah, man, it was it was frustrating. It was frustrating. I had it for like a week and a half, uh, and I was um, quarantined in a hotel. Um, and every morning they uh, had me take a, a test. Uh, after about a week and a half, I had got my two negatives and um, was able to go to Orlando. Um, on Instagram recently, you wrote, overlooked seemed to be the narrative my whole life. That's all you wrote. What do you mean by that? I think I play with a chip on my shoulder and it's um, something that I like to carry because I know that um, guards like me aren't, you know, they, they count us out. So I think that we have to prove ourselves and continue to um, establish ourselves, you know, 
that niche that you talk about, um, you know, what you do better than others. I feel like that I can be one of the best scorers in the world. And uh, I think it's just all about situation and all about fit. And uh, I've come to that realization and that, that part of my career where I'm accepting that. You know, I think that I had got this narrative on the defense end that I, he doesn't play defense. And I think at the beginning of my career, I wasn't really that interested in defense. And I can go back and look and see that I could have been better. But I think in the bubble, if you look, I did, I picked up full court the whole bubble. And that's not easy to do, um, especially when you get significant minutes. Um, and I'm not, you know, everybody know me. I'm the most humblest guy. I just – I wanted to speak on that because I made that a like a staple. I want to be a guy who makes a difference on the end of the court. And I think that can raise my value as well. You said you were a big football fan. So I want you to explain to me what is wrong with Michigan football? Oh man. I think <laughs> um, I'm going to just go ahead and say, you know, I just hope better days are to come. <laughs> I have found it interesting that um, Michigan was always known as a football school. But at least for the last 10 years, it's much more fun to watch the basketball team. Is it all about the coach and how he's able to recruit? Or is it something else about college sports that has made Michigan recruiting football different than recruiting basketball? Not necessarily. Yeah, I think you sometimes you have those five-star players who you know that's just going to be dominant college players, and then you have those gems. And sometimes I, I feel like we've had more of those on the basketball as of late. Um, but I remember coming on campus, and it was getting um, renovated. And I was like, dang, this is a football school. Like my sophomore year to my freshman year looked like two totally different campuses. So my freshman year, I was just like, dang, this this looked beat up kind of like. And then sophomore year, it was like, oh, this beautiful campus, like one of the best campuses right here. So it's, when, they, when they opened the whole basketball complex, you mean? That's what I mean. So that was a big, significant part of the campus. That's what I meant, that part. Right there. Sure. Um, I'm curious to know what, what you miss about college. I mean, what your favorite sort of memories were of being a Wolverine, being in Ann Arbor. I miss I miss being a kid. I'm having fun now. I just got back to having fun again playing basketball. But I think then it was um it wasn't as much, you know, indebted into it, if you if I should say, you know what I mean? It wasn't all of the other stuff behind it. You know, it was just you had the fan base, you had the the campus, you had the, you know, you were still going to school, just like you was being, you were still a kid uh, and going to Division One college, playing on television. I, I missed playing on CBS on Sundays. Um, I missed, you know what I mean, the rivalries and, and having to go on the road and, and playing some of the most hostile environments, um, you know, and just the tradition of college basketball. You know, I miss all of that. I miss Dick Vitale being, you know, on the, on the, you know what I mean? It's just certain things that you, you know, that you experience as a Division One, you know, Big Ten college basketball player that I miss. You know, I've been meaning to ask a prof professional athlete this question, and I haven't interviewed one since the COVID started. But how different is it playing in an arena without fans? Pretty different. It's pretty different. They do a great job, but like trying to still imitate um, 
you know, <laughs> a real game with fans with the the background noises and the you know the celebrations, but it's not the same, obviously. Um, we do scrimmage a lot in practice. We do do a lot of five on five playing. So once we get into the game, we kind of lose conscious of our surroundings. Of, of, but on the flip side, when we are at a real game and there, you know, thousands of fans around us, consciously you do see that. So um, I believe it all depends on the player. Some players thrive more off of, you know, the energy of the fans. Some players might be a little more calm playing without fans. And it, it, it all depends, but there is a difference. And what about I you? Like, I like the fans. I like I like the fans, to be honest. Hmm. Um, just the energy of people, you know what I mean? Real, really in the arena and environment. Um, I feel like I play better on the road anyway in a real-time arena with fans. I feel like I'll always play better. That's weird, but that's just, you know, me. Well, uh, any other thoughts before we go? Any other thoughts about your time at Michigan? Man, just wish we could have won that last game. Yeah. I think all the time. Um, I enjoy my time there. I really do. I always sometimes wonder just how one more year would would have been. Uh, I do think about that for fans out there, but um, I, I really did enjoy my my two years there. And, I, you know, I feel like we made some memories that, you know, we're, we're in history books. You know, we made memories that are long lasting and uh I still talk to a lot of the guys, Corey, Esso. Um, I talked to Jordan Morgan a few months ago. Obviously, Tim. You know, I've seen Nick over, uh, a lot over the years. Obviously, cares. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's just good to see and, and still be in contact with everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll try to get back up to, to campus as much as possible. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Special thanks to Steve Fries for his interview and contribution to the Voices of Victors podcast. An extra special thanks to Trey Burke for appearing in this episode. The Alumni Association of the University of Michigan provides connection and community with your fellow alumni. Have you become a member? We invite you to do so. Visit our website at alumni.umich.edu. We are using this platform to feature notable University of Michigan alumni. If you like what you've heard, please give this podcast a rating or review and hit the subscribe button or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victors podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.